and and that's hard to get rid of. You know, I, I, I run into this with people every single day. Like they still believe um, that carbs make you fat. They still believe that fruit's bad. They still believe all these things, you know? So <laughs> I, I, th- I think that 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 plays a huge role in in people in my age bracket, without a doubt. And I lived every second of that because I even wrote a book about all the stupid stuff I did because <laughs> I did a lot. <laughs> it's, it's never too late. And that's the theme that I really want to get through this as well, because it's never too late to actually make that choice. I feel like it's the sunk cost effect. So I actually just clicked recording in the middle of Susan. So I'm talking to Susan Nibagal and I'm going to blast all of her information down below. And also for those of you in your thirties, in your forties, especially if you're in your late forties and fifties, I highly recommend you reading her book. It's never too late because it really never is. It never is. And something that Jordan Syatt, who they're pretty much like mum and mum and son, but like pretty much, yep, and business partners, but yeah, mom and son. (laughs) Something that Syatt said one day in a podcast that really resonated with me is that you'll never be as young as you are today. And we're always thinking, I'm so old, there's never enough time, but you're your youngest you will ever be in the future. And you can never take action in the future or the past. You can only take action in the now. And the more that you keep saying, well, I already invested this much time, this much stress, this much worry. I already wasted half my life doing this thing. I might as well just try harder at it. And one of my sayings, which a lot of you already know is, you can't just force a broken system harder because you are just emphasizing something that's already faulty. So with that, the thing that we started this podcast was how Susan does such a great job at passing the message through that building muscle and aging well is, it's hard enough as it is. Like it's hard, but it's not impossible. But most people make it a fuck ton harder because they diet their whole lives. They follow these bullshit trends that all of you have grown up with. And by time they're 40, 50, 60, it's a fuck ton harder to get results, not impossible. But we waste our whole youth in prime time trying to shrink ourselves. So maybe you can shine the light on this message and how you pass this through to the millions of women that you help. Yeah, thank you. Um, You know, I I think people, you know, I'm 62. So people in my generation, we, we, I was just saying, you know, we grew up with so much stuff that was just not true. And, 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 you know, even, even as simple as, if the scale goes up, that's bad. If it goes down, it's good. There was never any talk about fluctuations or why it might go up when you're when your your nutrition's in check and all those kinds of things. We just knew up equals bad, down equals good. And you know, stuff like that, when that gets imprinted in your brain, that's hard to get rid of. So that makes it a little bit more challenging. But I, I tell people this at some point. We also have to stop listening to the bullshit that we tell ourselves because we're telling ourselves a lot of crap like I'm too old, I shouldn't be doing this, it's too hard, blah, 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 all these things. And the more we sit down and we actually listen to that, yeah, the harder this is going to be. And and like you said, it's not impossible for anybody to build some muscle, to get stronger, to um, get fitter, to get healthier. It's not impossible for any of us to do that, none of us, at any age. We make it harder, um, you know, on top of Mother Nature trying to make it hard on us anyway, we make it harder by holding on to these beliefs. And and I'll admit, you know, it's not easy to get rid of this stuff in our brain. And the stuff I, what I've had to do is I've had to tell myself to shut up a lot of times. Like if I, I would step on the scale and freak out because, oh, my God, it went up overnight. I must have gained a pound of fat overnight. Well, no. You don't gain a pound of fat overnight. And, I, you know, I have to tell myself, Susan, you didn't eat anything crazy yesterday. This is water retention. This is content in your stomach, whatever it is. You're fine. Move on. You know, more conversations with ourselves like that. It's got to start there. And it's got to start with our own self-awareness, essentially, is what I'm saying. We all have to be way more aware of this crazy stuff and call ourselves out when we start trying to go down these emotional roads. Because I think all of this stuff 
that we do to make it more complicated is rooted in emotion, you know? And, um, I think that when you start allowing emotion to drive that car, that weight loss car, I always refer to the weight loss car and it has a driver and a passenger and the driver in a weight loss car is always nutrition because you will go nowhere without the driver of the car, right? You get nowhere, you know, you have a passenger that's riding shotgun but that passenger has the map and is helping you with directions. And that's training. Training is going to help you get there. But nutrition is what's going to get you to lose the weight. And when you start allowing that noisy backseat passenger, who that smart aleck that's sitting in the back that won't shut up, it's motion. And that passenger is trying to get you to turn left all the time for whatever reason, all kinds of reasons. You start turning left. You start letting emotion, that backseat driver start taking you on this journey, you are screwed. And that's what we allow to happen uh, all the time. We, we base decisions on emotion and we've got to get out of that. And it's even harder as well with menstrual cycles, I feel, because when you're in that time of month, you get more emotional, you feel more conscious within your own skin. You allow a full feeling belly to make you feel like, especially if you're not in a phallus phase, you want to put yourself straight into a deficit again because you feel like you're gaining too much or you're fatter than usual, quote unquote. And in a fallow's phase, you step on a scale or you wake up one morning and you feel like you gained 10 pounds, five kilos, two kilos overnight. Oh my goodness, I need to actually eat less today. I need to try to eat as little as possible during the day, which kind of leads into something else you speak about. But it leads you to this mindset of, I need to try to eat as little as possible. That lasts for like a day. And then you try to go into it the next day, but then you end up eating very little, but a lot of calories that never have you feeling full. And then you wonder why you can't lose weight because you're hardly eating. Little do you know that you're not accounting for the actual calories of that little food intake that you're bringing in. So maybe you can- you know- and all of that is based in emotion, right? All that, all the scenario that you just said is all rooted in emotion. You stepped on the scale and you thought it it went up or you, here's the, here's the big one. You felt fat. You know, I feel fat after I eat because I have food in my stomach, you know, <laughs> um, feeling fat and actually being fat are two very different things. And I personally confuse those two all the time all the time. I, and I did those cycles that you're talking about. I, I remember going through all of that. Oh, I better eat less than today. Cause I feel so fat right now or whatever. And, and that's the stuff that we have to start getting our logic voices to wake up and say, no, hold on, wait a minute. You did not eat that much for you to gain that much weight overnight. So what's happening then? Something has to be happening. Well, yeah, you're probably holding on to some water. Maybe you ate saltier foods. Maybe you lifted heavy weights the day before because that's going to have you retain water. Um, all those kinds of things. That makes the scale fluctuate all the time. And when we can wake up the logic voices, they, that takes emotion out of the equation. And we can start making better decisions such as, no, I don't really need to cut back on anything. I just need to keep going with what I know I'm supposed to be doing. I actually remember when I went on holidays a while ago, when I was actually training really intensely for hypertrophy with a lot of volume, when I did a week without the training, just getting just my steps and being active like you do when you're away, I weighed one and a half kilos, which is like three pounds less the week, the week after, because I didn't have that accumulation of blood in my muscles and I looked as flat as a tick. So there are so many different things that can yeah. the scale, which is why I feel like if you haven't learned to listen to your body and you haven't learned to trust yourself logically, you haven't earned your right to step on the scale yet. But once you learn to manage your emotions and to navigate yourself, then when you can attach a number to that and not let that be the driver of the bus, now you give it a whole new meaning. And it's it's the it's the actual what you do, the action steps that lead to the end result anyway. So you can focus on the scale as much as you want. You can focus on shrinking your love handles, your belly, whatever the hell, as much as you want, but that's not going to get you anywhere if you haven't focused on the actual 
things you need to be doing on a daily basis and not let the scale one day be like, oh, it's not even moving fast enough. Oh, it's still, this means I'm not making any progress. And your meaning of progress is completely warped. But on the scale going down and up being bad, I actually spoke about this before and I know that you experienced this with your girls as well is you have your whole life wrapped around the identity of dieting of chasing a lower scale number seeing it go down yay this is awesome blah 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 even if you had a healthy relationship with it all to start with because maybe you do maybe you miraculously found a way to find this relationship with that will be a one for later. This relationship with the process where you're having fun on the way down. But then, but then it's time to actually stop dieting because you can't diet forever. That's bloody ridiculous. Like what you, diets aren't meant to be sustainable. You, they're, they're meant to be there for a temporary period of time. And it's who you become in the process, the lifestyle, the habits, blah, blah, blah. That is what is meant to be sustainable because then you need to actually start eating more. But then you get tied to, I don't want to see my scale fluctuate up one more pound or one more kilo. It can't do that. You get this identity of chasing the scale going down. So I'll let you speak about that and this idea of, I need to earn maintenance. I'm not lean enough. I can't eat at maintenance. You know, I don't think people realize that being spending time in maintenance is probably the one thing that makes dieting sustainable because I'm all in favor of people taking maintenance breaks within their, their, their dieting time. And, and people like, well, well, wait a minute, I haven't lost all my weight yet. Like what you're saying, I haven't earned it yet. You know, maintenance is not there to be earned. Maintenance is there to be used as, as another tool maybe to make the process more sustainable. If you are finding yourself thinking about food 24 seven, you go to bed, that's the last thing that you think about. You wake up in the morning, that's the first thing you think about. You are so tired mentally of that grind of being in a deficit or whatever. Um, it's time for a break. And you do that by adding some calories back in and giving and going into maintenance. And that could be for a week, it could be for two weeks, it could be for three months. It doesn't, the, the time period doesn't matter. What matters is it gives you some more calories on board. You're going to have some more energy. You're probably going to sleep better. Your workouts are probably going to be better. You're going to get a mental break from a deficit. You're going to feel recharged and then you'll be ready to go back into a deficit whenever you want and probably be more successful as a result of that. But I, I really feel like maintenance is one of those things that's not talked about enough because I feel like understanding where you're, well, first of all, understanding what it is and understanding where you're maintenance is individually is the most powerful thing you can learn absolutely without question because once you learn that maintenance first of all is not a number it's a bubble you you hover in a range in maintenance my range happens to be about three or four pounds i just float in that three or four pound range consistently um, some people's ranges might be a little bit bigger. Some might be a little bit smaller, but it's not a number. It's a range. And once you find that range and you learn how to live in that range, first of all, you're going to be confident as hell because you're, you're going to know how you can just live. But the cool thing is you can eat a little less than that and you'll be in a deficit. You can eat a little more than that and you'll be in a surplus. You own it. You own it all at that point. You have all the power once you understand how to live in maintenance. And that's why I think it's so important that everybody take time to learn that because we're also hooked on, I got to lose the weight. I got to lose the weight. Yeah, but you also need to learn how to maintain it and, and learning how to maintain your weight wherever it is, is something you need to learn. And that's what maintenance will do for anybody. Yeah. People don't realize that the biggest metabolic it's not metabolic damage it's called diet fatigue it's called mm. you let your diet run too long because the only thing your metabolism res is responding to is number one your internal environment so your diet fatigue your internal beliefs your the feeling of missing out because you're trying to diet your way through holidays especially with the holiday season coming up you're trying to push through something that you should be allowing yourself to enjoy because then you're going to reminisce on it. Like, 
I should have enjoyed myself more. Oh, I feel like I'm missing out. So you restrain yourself in public, but then overeat in private, aka away from when you should have actually been enjoying yourself with friends and family. And then there's, you don't learn how to live a maintenance lifestyle in amongst your diet, your deficit, your fat loss phase, whatever. So you never actually learn to maintain the results. And in that, you know how to lose the weight until you don't. And then you gain it all back because you haven't learned to maintain it. And then you want to do another diet. You know how to lose the weight. You just have to follow something that's written on paper and so strict because that's the only way you know how to lose weight. But you haven't actually learned yourself. You haven't learned about food. You haven't learned how to maintain this lifestyle and find queuing into the next thing and find means of progress away from your body image, away from what the mirror says, away from a number on the scale, because I used to let that dictate so much of my life as well. It didn't until it did, because I got into that. I'm chasing this scale going down. I'm in this range. I can't go above this number. But now I found life. I found chasing progress through building my body. I found that I'm, I've been living at maintenance. Well, not anymore. I'm in, an, I'm, I'm in a building phase. But I found living at maintenance for the last however many years, probably about three years, has, is what allowed me to then do a mini cut, lose extremely really fast, which I didn't expect because my body used to be so stubborn before. And I actually was always trying to like hoard all the diet foods and the sugar-free this and all the stuff because my mindset just wasn't ready for it. So now I find it that much easier to change my body, to manipulate it, to be able to chase strength. But I find joy in the process of becoming my best self. So maybe you can integrate that into how that factored in for you as well. Cause I know that that's something you found. A hundred percent. I'll say this when I stopped paying attention to timelines and how long things took and the scale, that's when I made the progress. And here, here's an interesting point. I, I post progress like a before and after kind of picture every so often here on Instagram. And, um, people always ask me, what's the time difference in the pictures? And I said, I really don't know. I have no idea because I wasn't paying attention to that. That didn't matter to me. Um, I can only tell you about how long because most of the pictures that I post is when I was running in these races because they had photos taken of you, whatever, because I didn't have a lot of photos taken of me back then. So I know the year that I did the race. That's about as good as I can get. But I really have, have no idea. And people are really shocked about that. And and I think th- this bodes to, to what you were saying is that it, 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 um, <laughs> the dogs. first men came and. They always attack the person. It's all good. Um, you know, I, I feel like if you can focus on getting stronger, giving yourself some goals in the gym, just don't go and work out and say, I just want to build muscle and get stronger. Well, you know, the world wants to do that. Everyone wants to do that. Why don't you get more specific and say, you know what? I'd love to get my first push up. You know, I'd like to get 10 push ups. I would really like to be able to do a chin up. That's what a lot of women talk to me about. They really want to do a chin up. And I gave myself those goals. When I first started working with Jordan, we we talked about the goals that I wanted to do. And a chin-up was number one. And I was so driven to get that done that everything else just, I didn't even focus on it. I was focused on eating well and go getting in the gym. And I wanted to get that first chin-up. And so all my programming was centered around that. I worked my butt off and lo and behold the weight started coming off i started building muscle and yeah i got the chin up and i feel like it's because i wasn't obsessing on oh my god the scale went up two pounds today went down yesterday all those things we get so caught up in the minutia of the day-to-day that we can't even take a step back and look at a bigger picture um and I, and I think if people could give themselves more purpose with their training, first of all, it's going to be a lot more fun. It's going to be a lot more focused. You're going to see results more from that kind of training rather than going to the gym and checking off a box saying, I worked out today. 
you know, being organized to some degree with your training is certainly going to make the process more fun, give you something to work for. That being said, you know, as I said before, nutrition's going to drive your weight loss. So if you're, if you need to lose weight, nutrition's going to drive that. Your training is going to help accentuate that, but you have to have to be honest with yourself about nutrition, right? You, you can't, not count half the stuff that you ate today and say, why am I not losing weight? You know, you have to hold yourself accountable, be honest. I, and I'm, I've recently been on a real big honesty kick. And, and when I say be honest, I mean, be honest with yourself. Like when, when kid, when I was a school counselor, kids would come to me and, and we'd have to talk about their grades. This is an example. And, and they would say, I don't, you know, I would say, why are you failing the class? And they go, I don't know. And I just look at them sometimes for effect. I would slam my pencil down and I'm like, yes, you do know. You know exactly why you failed the class. So why don't you tell me? And they, you know, they tell me they know exactly why they didn't do their homework. They didn't study for the test, da, 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 all those things. And it's kind of we have to do that to ourselves with, with, with this whole weight loss and why we're not making progress. Right. We, ha we know exactly why we're not making progress. So people that tell me they have no idea, I, you know, no, there's always something that's not happening. And it could be for some very few people, it could be medically related. And if it is, or you think it is, then go get checked out so you can either get it treated or rule it out. One, it's one of the, either way you're going to know. And you're going to proceed accordingly. But for the vast majority of us, we know exactly why we weren't making progress. We know exactly. And it's now that we know that we need to, we need to take action steps to fix it. And it's really not hard to fix. It's just about finding something sustainable that you can be consistent with. And you don't have to change the world overnight. Pick one or two things. Get really focused with those add another thing you want to change and proceed that way. I mean, that's always a good way to do it. Scale it back to something manageable and then add something as you go. I mean, that's the educator in me coming out. But I, I feel like we need to be honest with ourselves first. That's what needs to happen with the nutrition side and then really get focused in the gym. Give yourself some, some specific goals you want to hit with your training and put those two together. And I think you're going to see every bit of the results you want to see. Yeah, there was a post that, I'm funny to listen to this because I know that so many of my followers listen, but there was a post I put up with all the steps that you need to take. Just put it up a couple of days ago and it's everything that you preach as well. But she commented on it saying, I do all of these things and I put myself in a deficit of 1500 calories, but I don't know what's wrong. I'm not seeing results. And I, because I always respond to people who message me, she, we've, we've already had this conversation. It's the fact that she just increased her calories from the 1300 she was on, but she was still having like moments of binging, emotional eating. And that is not what, like, yes, you can be doing all the things right. You can be ticking the boxes, doing everything that people say you should be doing to see said results. But when you say, yes, I'm doing all that. Okay, cool. You're doing all that, but all the time or only on weekdays Yeah. or only when the sun's out. And as soon as the sun and what do your weekends look like? What do the weekends look like? Well, you know, we're out running errands and I eat healthy. Well, mm, <laughs> you know, here's the trap I fell into, you know, eating healthy is great. You know, obviously we all want to eat healthy and nutrient foods, all the rest. But those are not calorie calorie free. I mean, healthy foods have a lot of calories. And for me, nuts were a big issue. You know, I look back on that thing and I probably consumed 300 calories of nuts just on top of everything else without thinking about it. It's like you just go and grab a handful of them. And then later you're going to go and grab another handful. And by the time you're done with all that, it's 300 calories. But you don't even think about it because they don't fill you up. So you don't feel full. You feel like you've hardly eaten anything and you forget about them, you know? So it's not, people aren't being um, distrustful or anything like that. I think we're, we're not, we're not aware. It's self-awareness, an honest self-awareness that needs to happen on those things, you know? And then 
invariably the weekends play a role in this, right? Invariably, there's something going on the weekends. They're never in control like we would like them to be. Yeah, and just because you drink your calories and not eat them doesn't mean they don't count either. And it's funny because today's post, I actually wrote this. You will not get fat from eating too little, but you can't just assume you'll lose weight by switching to healthier food. If you have little knowledge of nutrition or calories in foods, a higher fat slash keto approach especially when you extend it, is more likely to lead to long-term weight gain. And it's it's something I see all the time. Like people just put more coconut oil in something because it's healthier or they eat more nuts and seeds because, oh, there's a source of protein. It's, mm-hmm. it's like yep. it, it's probably a really poor quality source that you're having that is mostly fat. But something that you said, which was amazing, is when you switched your focus it's like yeah but how old were you you weren't in your 30s you were already in your 50s and yes i i have a few girls like this and it breaks my heart every time because like you introduced at the start of the podcast i want you to expand on that because it's rampant especially with social media like yes social media is where people put up their best sides and it's actually loaded with a lot of comp prep girls and I used to post a lot of 12-week, 8-week comp prep comparisons when I used to be a comp prep coach in 2016, 2017, but I shifted that. Like, yes, they're flashy. You see someone go from fat, quote-unquote, to fit, quote-unquote, and you mm-hmm. want that change. But you do realize that those after photos did not look like that last photo at all. They went back to somewhere in the middle some of them, because they didn't actually start off with a lot of fat to start with, they went closer to their first photo, just with less fat, more muscle. Like, that's not sustainable. And then add on top of that social media comparison, people expect results because now they are doing things the right way, but they don't realize that that right way also needs time added to it. But then their meaning of results is literally just them looking at the mirror or looking at the scale or just some physical means of progress. So then they beat up on themselves and then they lose the same effort percentage. So now their effort is here. Their expectations are all the way up here and it's just not matching. And I think Jordan Syatt says this. I'm not sure if he said it or I made it up, but you need to earn your right to be upset with your progress. But also you need to take the timeline away from that because you can't just say, yeah, I've been consistent for eight weeks, 12 weeks. Why aren't I seeing results? It takes time. And then if what you expect of yourself is some two-year, seven-year transformation and you've only been doing the right things for one year of three years of doing things, that doesn't align either. Well, you know, J- Jordan and I coach the inner circle together and, and we and we tell our inner circle members, you know, the people that are are struggling with um, maybe the pace of weight loss or things are not happening or whatever. We say, look, give yourself this 30 day challenge for 30 days in a row. No exceptions. You hit your calorie range. You hit your protein goal every single day. certain that you have hit it, meaning you, you really can't eat out because you don't know how many calories exactly you're eating out, right? So you need to have control over your environment for 30 days in a row. And what ends up happening is the people become meticulous now, right? They become meticulous. And of course you can't sustain this. And that obviously is not the purpose of this. This is a short term get focused kind of challenge for the purpose of finding where the loopholes are at because they're there somewhere they're there right and maybe you're just not aware of them this will make you aware of them for sure when you have a strict challenge like this and people's jaws drop when they do it because they finally oh my god i had no idea and it's very true they do have they didn't have any idea that they were eating this much and they thought they were eating that much you know and And so that's why an exercise like that is so great if you will actually take it on. So it make it even two weeks, three weeks would really be helpful with that. But hitting your calories and protein every single day without fail, you you get your workouts in as well and you do it all those days in a row. Commit to that and see what happens. 
something you said there is, yeah, okay, but this isn't a sustainable way of doing things. And that's no, that's a really important note to take because in the midst of trying to get this goal, we forget that we actually live lives. And if you don't, this is something that I'm not going to tear up over now, but I like teared up last time. I'm good. But <laughs> it's something where if you just focus so much on this place you want to be, this magical, happy place, and you don't bring your life with you, the things that make you happy, your original reason for doing things in the fact that you wanted this to enhance your life, you don't want to be obsessed with it, you don't want it to take over your life, you're going to become an empty shell that doesn't even know where they are anymore. So you just become this person chasing things, wanting things. I'm not here yet. I'm not there yet without having substance to your life anymore. And I said this on Jordan Sykes' podcast. Please go listen to it. It's number 240. Go and listen. It is powerful. But I lost so many valuable memories with my parents who are now in their 70s. And it's that fragile time of life. And you don't care until you start to realize and then reflect on it and realize that you wasted your most precious moments with your family, with your kids, yep. that you're never going to get back again. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'll tell you, there, you know, I don't have a lot of advantages being the age that I'm at. I mean, life experience, I think, is one of them. But I, I will say this. I have realized that my life continuum is much shorter than most people's, yours, or mine's much shorter than yours. Um, and so that brings a lot of perspective with it. You know, I don't want to be that person years down the road where I regretted being so uptight about some things or not letting things go or not participating because I didn't want to eat the cupcake for my own birthday, for God's sakes, because I was afraid of what it was going to do to me. I start, that's not what, who I want to be down the road, you know, and that perspective is very powerful. I feel like it's, I think it's harder for people younger because they, it's so hard to see that far down a road. It's so difficult for me. It's easier because I'm closer to that point than so many people, but I encourage everyone to really look at that and think about that because none of us want to be having regrets at the end of the line, Re you know, re regretting not being able to enjoy family and friends, regretting being so fixated on that little square thing that we step on that reads a number of how much we weigh, you know, it, it, there, there are so many things that we work ourselves up over and we have to stop, you know, collective we, you know, we all have to stop doing that and, and really figure out what it, exactly it is that I want to do. I want to find something that I enjoy. I want to be healthier. I want to be able to enjoy things with my family and friends and do that. There's so many ways to do that. So many people out there that, that can help you do that. And, and, and I feel like um, when we, and I always say we, but everybody, all of us, I collectively, I keep saying that. Um, because I used to be this person. So I, I feel like I'm one of everyone. I, I, I used to do this all the time. I would get so hung up over the scale, get so hung up on, oh man, this pair of jeans is feeling a little tight. I mean, I better, better eat less, you know, things like that. And over and over and over again. And, and the cool thing about all of this is it doesn't matter if you're 25. It doesn't matter if you're 35, 65, 75, you can change whatever you want to change right now. You have the power to do that. Right. And and that's what's the most amazing thing about any of this that we've been talking about is that you can change it. Right. If you don't know how to change it, hire somebody that can help you change it. If you belong to a group, be active in that group, get support, ask questions, be consistent with some kind of routine and and watch what will happen. I mean, it's life changing. And, and if we can get rid of the burden of timelines that sat on my shoulders for years. Like I should be losing weight faster. I, I want to lose this amount of weight by, by this time. And, and then if I'm not on track for that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start doing crazy shit. So I meet my little timeline goal, which is meaningless in a big picture. Right. And then I've screwed up all the habits that I spent so much time working on leading up to that. So many things that we, tr that we do almost to sabotage our efforts in some way without even knowing it. But I, 
I'll tell you this because I'm kind of rambling here. Sorry. Um, I just get going. <laughs> the, wow. I, I feel like the one thing that changed my life the most, the absolute most, is when I got rid of the burden that was sitting on my shoulders of timelines and expectations. Once that got lifted, it was liberating. My life changed dramatically. It didn't matter if I didn't lose weight that week. It just didn't matter if I lost this amount versus that amount. I didn't care. I was having so much fun in the process of getting stronger and trying to build muscle and getting that chin up. I didn't care how long things took anymore. And, you know, my current situation, I have an arthritic hip now. I can't do what I did even two years ago now. And Jordan and I are working, uh, uh, he wrote me a program where I am working all on hip stability from the ground floor, like single leg exercise from the ground floor up. I am a stark naked beginner working on hip stability. And I don't, you know, it's going to take maybe the rest of my life to get better. I don't know. Maybe my hip will never get better, but I'm not focused on how long this is going to take me anymore. I'm focused on, I want to feel better. I am doing this for me. I'm getting stronger. I see the improvement. My progress in the last month has been phenomenal with this. That's what I'm focused on. That's because that's what's most important because that allows me to live my life, right? And that's kind of what it's all about. Some people, a lot of people are afraid to ask for help. And you also mentioned the power of community and I have my own inner circle and people don't realize that they're only holding themselves back by being afraid of being seen, being heard, or being a lurker. Like that does, like being a lurker, or at least being part of something is powerful in itself. But yeah. there are so many people that hold themselves back from posting, from being out there. And I recognize it as I'm afraid of putting it out there because then what if I fail? What if I quit? What if I slip up? I can't put it out there because then everyone will see me slip up. But it's, shifting your belief but then something else you said with the timeline thing as well is if you think that you just stop doing this once you get to this happy place which never really comes because it's almost like you're running to a horizon you're always going to be like wanting to become better once you take the right mm -hmm. it literally is running to the horizon but if you stop doing it if you use it if you stop using it you lose it and you want to be someone who's in their 70s, who's independent, and someone who's in their 80s who doesn't need to be in a nursing home. You want to still be able to have a healthy brain, be able to have a, like the best life that you can have at those ages. If you stop doing all the things now that have made you that stronger, fitter, healthier person, how do you expect to be a stronger, fitter, healthier person times 10 years from now? Times yeah. from now. Yeah. And if anybody out there's ever had to take care of elderly parents, you've seen it firsthand. You know, uh, the, the interesting thing is my mom and dad's generation, they didn't know anything about fitness and taking care of yourself like my generation does. And your generation knows far more than my generation did at your age. I mean, each generation is just armed with better info now, which is so great to see. But if you have elderly parents and you've had to take care of them, you know what it's like when your parent doesn't have the strength to get up out of a chair, when they can't turn a doorknob, when they can't push a button on a microwave, you know, because they, they've lost all their muscle mass, you know, and that comes from not eating any protein and not doing any kind of resistance exercise. You know, and that's why I am such a proponent of strength training for the duration. I mean, I, you know, I'm all about doing stuff that you love and not everyone's going to love it. But strength training is that important where you need to do it to some degree, whether you love it or not, to be perfectly honest. It's that important for you as you get older. You know, it could be the difference of if you fall when you're 80 something years old. Strength training could be the difference from you breaking that hip and not breaking that hip. You know, it's, it's, it's quality of life stuff. And, and that for me is top priority without a doubt.
I don't even have to ask you that question now. Add it here is why is strength so important and training so important as you age? You blasted that one off. Like, honestly, it's one of the most important things you can do, not only from a looking good perspective, but everything Susan just said. But something that I feel scares a lot of people is by having that cupcake or by being, by enjoying life a little bit more, like you said, they pendulum of extremes. They feel like they're letting themselves go. But the thing is, when you realize that dieting isn't forever and once you learn how to live at maintenance, once you realize this is something that you do for life, it is so much easier to quote unquote, let yourself go to enjoy an event like a birthday or a cupcake or a donut or whatever it is. And realize that losing weight is so much easier when you actually are able to give it hundred percent, but wanting to always restrict yourself, always want to lose weight. It's your, you've never stopped dieting because you can't separate your physiology from your psychology. They go hand in hand. So if your mindset is a perpetual script of wanting to lose weight, be smaller, shrink yourself, do more, eat less. It doesn't really matter if you enjoy yourself physically because you're still not ready for a diet after because you're going to keep self-sabotaging. You haven't given yourself that mental break. And yet sometimes you do need to make more sacrifices, say no to things. And this is where the abstaining from trigger foods comes in. Like I hate the message out there where it's just like, oh, but that's not a healthy relationship with food. You should be able to have it in your environment. Well, no, you should not if you can't control yourself. Get rid of it for a period of time. For, like, fuck's sake. It's like saying, I'm an out. I, I know you can't compare alcohol to food half the time, but at the same time, you can. Like, it's not like you can give someone an environment loaded with like alcohol when they're trying to recover from being an alcoholic. That's the way that I swear Jordan said it that way. But that's, that's something you need to realize. A lot of the messaging out there is from people that took dieting too far that now they've fallen into, I'm getting Jordan back on to talk about this, but now they've fallen onto the other extreme of healthy at every size of intuitive eating, which has taken too far to the other extreme, which now I have three girls that have come to me from being healthy at every size because they've been so restricted before. They just wanted to flop it. And now they're so much more like dissatisfied and even more unhappier with their body because of what they did on the other extreme. So and it's just ruining everything in oh, like misconstrued interpretation of things so I'll let you talk about that before I go into the next part of my question yeah I mean I think the health at every size movement has definitely taken things so far over to one side um and and again it's it's over people are just overcomplicating everything look it's a it is about moderation. It is about enjoying your life. But if you want to lose weight, yeah, you are going to have to sac do some sacrifice. There has to be some sacrifice. That doesn't mean overly restricting calories, not allowing yourself to have these things, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't mean any of that, you know, surviving on 800 calories a day or whatever. No, it doesn't have to be that. But you can't sit there and say, you know, I want to go out five days a week. You know, I want to go out for dinner five times a week and have drinks with my friends every Friday night and um, not worry about the weekends and want, you know, no, you're you're gonna have to get a hold of some of that, you know, if you if you want to reach a goal. And it feel I feel like we're it's just those two extremes. There's all this stuff in the middle, which is where really everything lies. You know, you find a nice moderate deficit for you. A, a, a healthy, moderate deficit, plenty of protein. That's got to be a priority, especially as you get older. You need to strength train two to four times a week. That's got to be a priority as you get older. You need to move every single day, whether that's walking, whether that's riding a bike, whether it's on the elliptical, it doesn't matter what it is, but you should move your body just because you're going to feel better. Your heart's going to love you more and it's going to be a healthier thing for you. And that's it. And be consistent with that. It's that it, it, yeah, it is that simple, but we complicate it. You know, it's not easy. That's a different discussion, but it is that simple. And I think we need to get back to that part. And if you can't be consistent at higher calories, if you can't build momentum at higher calories, how can you be consistent at lower ones? I posted that the other day. It makes zero sense, right? It makes zero sense, but people do it all the time. It's like, you think lowering your calories is going to make you more consistent? No, it's going to do just the opposite. 
it, it it's funny how our brain works that way when we're so desperate for change but yeah yeah something you said there that i picked up on is the two to four strength days a week and this leads into i guess also bringing in the fear of feeling full but then there's the fear of rest days of doing less mm -hmm. and you don't realize because you didn't realize you were in denial about it and you used to say, I, I love the gym. It's why I go mm -hmm. every day. It's why I do this. And it's something that I also see with a lot of people that smash themselves with CrossFit as a means of I'm burning a lot of calories. I'm feeling sore. I'm feeling fatigued. But you don't realize until you actually realize what mindset you have because now you're on the other side. So take that away. Yeah. No, I was that girl that would work out six, seven days a week, sometimes two a days. Because, wow, if one workout's good, two must be great. <laughs> and it wasn't cardio strength. They were two strength workouts a day. And it wasn't like, I'll do one workout and I'll divide it into two parts. No, it was two workouts a day. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I worked my ass off. I was injured a lot through that time. Um, I was frustrated. I was tired. I didn't sleep well. And the irony here is I was making no progress whatsoever. None until I started working with Jordan and he cut my workout days down to four. And I looked at him, I said, you gotta be crazy. You know, I, I what do I do on the other days? He goes, rest, you don't do anything. I'm like, what, <laughs> what? Oh. And so I whined and moaned and complained. And he finally said, okay, okay, okay. You can on your rest day, you can go get on the bike and don't let your heart rate get over like 110 or something really low. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. So I went to the gym on a rest day, got on the bike, started pedaling. I'm like, wait a minute. I can't get above this. Oh my God. I mean, it was so awful. I was, I was so bored. I mean, it was just like, uh, so I, I wrote, it was a great lesson to learn. Right. I, I sent a note and I said, I will never do that again. Don't worry. I am done with that. And, and so what ended up happening, I cut my strength workouts down to four days and lo and behold, my workouts got better because my muscles had a chance to recover. My sleep improved. Lo and behold, that made my next workout more effective. And the best part of all is my relationship with working out improved. I thought I had a great relationship with working out before that. I had a very dysfunctional relationship with working out before that. But I thought I had a great one because I loved it. And I did, but I, I said that I, I said, I loved working out so much because I was afraid. I mean, I was afraid that if I didn't work out that much, I would lose progress. I would not gain any progress. Um, and I would get fat. So my love for working out was based solely on fear. That's not a healthy relationship with working out. But as soon as I was, went down to four days, I allowed my body to recover. My workouts went through the roof, got that chin up pretty quickly, actually, um, slept, felt great, everything. I mean, my lifts just skyrocketed at that point. And, and it was so great to see because it started making sense. I, I started drinking that Kool-Aid at that point. I, I see it. I mean, it works. And I know for the over-exerciser, it's hard. And that that's because it is it is driven by fear. And one thing that Jordan and I both always say is if, if cutting back on your workouts or doing whatever, but for this example, if cutting back on your workouts makes you anxious or you're, it makes you afraid, it's something you need to do. It's definitely something you need to do. And you know it deep down inside, right? That was me. And I had to, I had to, I was uncomfortable when I was doing it for that first couple of weeks. I, I rest days were just God awful. Um, but now on rest days, I actually, I'll walk more than I did back then or whatever, but I'm, so I'm a little bit more productive, but, um, generally back then I didn't do anything. I just went about my daily life on a rest day, but I, my was so excited about going back to the gym the next day after a rest day. I was so excited. My so my relationship with working out improved by I don't know a million percent, and that's what was the most fascinating thing about that. I, I love that story. I never stopped loving it because it made me realize myself that that's what mine used to be based off. Because I used to want it like 
my tra- my coach used to give me five days of training and I always used to be like I need to be at the gym on the sixth so I'll just do some conditioning so he's just like he, he first argued against me but then he's like okay cool have fun with friends but keep it fun and make sure that you can recover from it so he let me keep that in but now when I looked on it in retrospect it was a fear of the exact same things that you mentioned and now it's so freeing which leads me into the very last thing that I wanted to talk about but if before the rapid questions but something where you mentioned that you weren't making any progress while you're doing these two days you didn't think that back then it's only now that you realize that and I see that a lot and with me it got me feeling like I was making progress I was getting results it was feeling like I was making progress because I was doing shit tons of volume I was feeling sore well I I recovered really easy after the sessions because my body adapted to it so I felt like I was still progressing but that feeling doesn't equate to real life progress and people feel like the more the better but why would you not want to do the least quote-unquote that you can do to get as much progress as possible and that doesn't mean half-assing things or doing the very least, but finding a middle ground that allows you to live life, allows you to bring life with you, but giving that 110%. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 more is not better, better is better. So in, in other words, make the workouts you do more effective. That's the whole thing. Um, you don't need to add more, you need to be more effective with what you're doing, which may mean moving more weight. Chances are you could move more weight on that dumbbell row than what you're doing right now. You know, um, maybe improving your technique. So you're not using momentum anymore to move that dumbbell, you know, things like that, bringing the intensity to your workout and that, and that doesn't mean jumping up and down. It means intensity from a weight perspective. You know, you start focusing on improving your three, four workouts a week that way, that's far better than you adding another two or three days of just junk volume, which is going to do nothing for you really in the big picture. Um, and, and I, and, and to your point about chasing a feeling, I think that's a big issue because I think people feel like they're making progress when they're sore. Oh, that must've been a great workout because I'm so sore or I'm exhausted or, you know, whatever, or my muscles were burning or, you know, all of these things based on a feeling. And that's just not, you know, it's not an, it's not an indication of a good workout or a bad workout. It's not an indication that we need to be associating with the quality of a workout. What, what I think we need to do is first of all, track your workouts. If you're not that person that's tracking the progress that you're making on a workout, you need to start doing that. If you're changing workouts all the time, doing random stuff, you need to stop doing that and get a program that you can follow for like four to eight weeks and really track your progress. Just like do that kind, how you work with your nutrition and you track that, do that with your workouts, put that kind of effort into tracking that and get a little bit pickier with how you do that. Because what you're going to find is when you start improving the quality, your workouts will just completely change. I love that. And it's an obsession with becoming your best self instead of yourself. Yeah. And now that last thing I wanted to ask is, well, talk about, because I wanted to do a post on this. And then I think I heard you mention it as well as you should have a different relationship to cardio, to training and to food. It's not one in the same. So maybe you can summarize with that before I give you some rapid fire. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we need to separate our relationships of with food and, and with, with training of any kind, you know, I, I think, they can get all mushy, but we have two separate relationships going here. And, and, and with food, you know, you can go down the road of good versus bad food and all those things, the carbs and, oh, they're the devil. I can't have any carbs and I can't have this. I shouldn't do this. I'm only da, 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 all that stuff. Working with your relationship with food is one thing. And that may be the harder of the two to fix, to be perfectly honest. I mean, food just plays such a big, important part in cultures and how we were brought up affects so much of, of our beliefs about food and our relationship with food and training, you know, as I just described, you know, being honest with yourself about this training, you know, I just literally was writing an email back to somebody wanting to know how to fit 
the inner circle workouts into her workout schedule and she already listed her workout schedule. I'm like, you can't, <laughs> I mean, there's this crazy amount of stuff. And that, and that person pushed back a little bit. I'm like, look, here's what we recommend. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of the more is better kind of philosophy. And that usually is based out of fear. So working on two separate relationships, I think it's really important to understand that we have the two separate ones and understanding that training's not going to drive that weight loss car ever. It's just not going to do it. You know, it, the nutrition needs to be the driver of the car. Training needs to pay, be the passenger of the car. If you're in a muscle building phase, you can switch those roles. Training's got to drive that car in a muscle building phase and nutrition's going to be, that uh, is going to be a little bit more of an active co-pilot than it, than training was perhaps, but training, you know, without proper training, you're not going to build much of anything. And that's kind of where your mind needs to be on, on who's driving the car for this. And then we got to get emotion, lock them in the trunk. Cause once we start letting emotion play a role with either relationship, we're screwed. I think <laughs> this is why I freaking love you so much. And it, <laughs> I honestly, it is so true. And if you wanting, if you're wanting to actually build your body, Food isn't going to do that. It's going to supplement it. You need to train for that body. Yep. If you want to lose weight, training's not going to do anything for it, but it's going to supplement it because if you don't do it, you're going to lose your metabolic muscle and you're just going to look like a floppy piece of, <laughs> I call it, you're going to look like a fettuccine strand because you will yeah. Yeah. fat but flat. So yeah. Yeah. And something you said in, I'm on your page now because it's sparking my rapid fire, but if you are tired of starting over and saying nothing works for me, then stop giving up when the going gets tough. Give a little yeah. sentence on that. Yeah. I think people are very, very, very quick to quit. You know, um, they, they give something a week and they say, yeah, it's not working for me. Well, how many days out of this week have you actually hit your goals? You know, and, and how consistent are you being? And do you understand that seeing progress takes more than a week? You know, it takes many weeks for you to get into a rhythm and see progress. And I, I think if people would stop quitting, they would see success. And, and here's the cool thing. You will succeed. I mean, guaranteed you will succeed if you don't quit. That's just it, you know, and that's, that's probably the best news of all, isn't it? If you think about it, that is the one thing that we all can guarantee. If you don't quit, you're going to find your success. So take that, you know, and run with it, people, because th there it is. <laughs> yeah, and something I have to say with that is just not quitting isn't enough, though. You need to also build self-awareness with that because just trying harder and harder or just yakking out whatever looks shiny in the air won't have you feel good in your skin if you're still chasing the same external shell. So, Oh, of course. I mean, of, of course. It, it, obviously, things would would need to change if you're just going around in circles but 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 i guess that the bigger point is if you quit you're not going to get anywhere you know you won't get anywhere and you're going to be frustrated you're going to be in the same spot you were and you know it's just going to go on and on and on and on and on so i i, I don't know where the quitting mentality came from from it, i don't know actually i think maybe in society now everything is so quick right everything is quick we have everything at our fingertips, answers to anything in a matter of seconds. You know, patience is thin. People don't have patience anymore. You know, they don't want to write it out. I, I think because we get things so quickly given to us now that when you have to put in some hard work over time, that's a little bit harder. I feel like it also comes from one, life is too busy. That, like what you said, life is too busy. And then there's the idea that it should happen within 12 weeks because someone on Instagram said so. But for me, I was a quitter only because something that was said to me a lot in my childhood, probably it was part of the ADHD, but because I could never stick to something. So I always got it revved into me. What's the whole point of putting you in this? You're not going to stick to it anyway. You always quit anyway. That's going to be a waste of money. That's going to be a waste of time. So that was the mentality that I had mm -hmm. to then be able to develop some consistency. And the thing that stuck with me was, prove yourself wrong. And yeah. that's why I loved your post on the self audit, because when you self audit meticulously, I should say ruthlessly, when you ruthlessly self audit, never quitting is your gold medal. And well, not gold medal, it's, it's, it's your pathway to succeeding. And now 
on the, the next post that I loved is what do you have to say about being perfect and planning? You know, I, I think the one thing that so many people don't do that should do and would probably make them successful is planning. I, I feel like that is the fat loss hack that people don't do. <laughs> and it, and it, it, it's simple. You know, it's not a, I think people confuse planning and prepping, like cooking all the food and putting it in the Tupperware containers and making it look really cool and, and all this stuff. And I am so not that person. I've never done that my whole life and I never probably will, but planning is different. Planning is actually sitting down and thinking, okay, so how's my nutrition going to look tomorrow? How am I going to get 30 to 40 grams of protein at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? How am I going to get, you know, where am I going to put my vegetables in? You know, what, what, what protein will I have at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? How am I going to make all of that work? You know, and you sit down, you write it down. And if you're like me, write it on a piece of paper for God's sakes, because that's the most effective way to do it anyway. I wouldn't put it into a phone yet. I would write it on a piece of paper, plan it because you writing it down it's in your brain more. Research shows that. Old school people like me, we do pen and paper all the time. And when you plan your nutrition out today for tomorrow, you already have taken the decision fatigue out. You may have to cook it, but you don't have to sit there and come home from work after a long day and you're tired, you're hangry, and you got kids running around and you have to sit there and figure out how am I going to make dinner that makes 650 calories to make my goals? You know, your head's going to explode, right? Because you're too tired to even think about it. And so what you, what do you do? You order out, you do something and I'll, I'll just start over tomorrow. That pattern happens all the time. But if you were to take 10 minutes to sit down and put it on a piece of paper, then you come home, you know what you're going to have for dinner. You may, again, still have to cook it, but you don't have to decide when you're tired and hungry. You already have done that part of the work, you know? And I think when people get into a rhythm with that, they start creating their little go-to meals, their, their little list. This is my go-to breakfasts. I love, these are my lunches that I really like. These are my dinners that, that are really good and easy to make. You kind of start getting a vocabulary of these and then you can just circulate them and low, you know, it becomes so much easier when you do that, but it's, it all starts with planning and it's not a big deal, but so many people just wing it from one meal to the next. And by the time dinner comes around, they're short on protein. They don't have many calories left because they screwed up in the earlier part of the day. You know, but if you had had it planned out, you have your little template to go with. And then you can put it in your app or whatever you're doing to track. And boom, you are all set. I think that is a skill. But I think it's it's a skill that's easily learned. But it does take some time and effort at the beginning, just like anything else. I love that. And to summarize the podcast... What do you have to say about the perfectionist mentality? Yeah, that is the surefire way to kill any progress you've ever had. <laughs> I mean, it, it it is because here's the thing. Life's not perfect, right? Life is not going to be perfect. People use the I'm a perfectionist as a justification to continue the behavior that's been happening. I see this all the time. And I know people don't like to hear that necessarily, but it's there's a lot of truth in that. Um, we need to stop being perfect. And as a matter of fact, I would encourage you to purposefully not be perfect because when, when we can learn to deal with curveballs that get thrown at us, when we learn to adapt, when, when we can just change as life changes, that's when we will succeed. Right. But life's not going to be perfect. We're trying to be perfect. We're using that as an excuse to just keep doing these behaviors. And it's just this vicious cycle that we, we need to get out of. And a lot of times I would have some of my clients I, who were following say, look this week, I need you to eat two donuts. Where are you going to eat them? Tell me what days you want to have a donut. And they, and they would, you know, ah, donut, what, what? No, no, you're going to have a donut. It might take me over my calories. That's okay. I want you to have a donut and get them to little by little understand that, yes, we can work these things in and still work towards our goals all at the same time. And we don't have to be perfect. It's all about the progress we make, not the, not being perfect. Yeah. And when you learn to find progress in the areas you never saw it before, you'll always feel that little bit more satisfied. 
And with that, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. It was actually a blast of a chat. Turned out even more jam-packed than I expected it to be. You're just a wealth of experience, of knowledge, of actually doing the shit yourself and showing yeah. people how it can be done. <laughs> like, honestly. Um, with well, that, I'm you. Just- I'm going to put your Instagram link below. And I'm also, is the link in your bio linking to your book? No, it's not. I'm going to put the link to your website in here as well so they can find your fit at any age. Fit at any age. Look, Thank you. I highly recommend, honestly, if you're 30, if you're 50, if you're 60, whatever, I highly recommend this book for you guys because Susan has been someone who's been injured, who's had to learn to work around injuries, who's been through the toxic shit that TV, that magazines have fed us, like every single one of you listening to this podcast have, because that was the era before social media. And now it's just in your fingertips and not something at the store. But highly recommend that book. Highly recommend checking out her Instagram as well. Is there anything else you want me to put down below? No, that's perfect. I appreciate that. Um, People, I I guess people could head over to my YouTube because I have a lot of resources over there, um, especially for for people in middle age and um, a a lot of good stuff over there. So, So head over there as well. But I thank you so much. This has been a great chat. Thank you so much for coming on.